0: We're going to be in Isaiah 60, and so let's turn to our Old Testament uh, today and look at Isaiah 60, and we're thinking about our topic of our urgent mission. God gave the church, gave individuals a mission, and we've been talking about that, and today we're going to talk about the plan for the mission. What is God's plan? Isaiah 60, it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and, the, and His glory will will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let me pray over these verses this morning. God, I praise you that Christ is the light of the world and that nations are drawn to him. People of every tribe and color and tongue and every nation will be part of eternity. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you would stir in us a desire to see more people come to know Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I read an article this week about some plans that went a little bit awry. On March 23rd of 2007, there was a 35-year-old man who decided that him and his girlfriend would take a, uh, just a trip down to the store and so he they got in the car and he dropped his girlfriend off at the petco with their pet and they went into the store she went into the store and he went next door to the linen and things. And while he was in there, he decided to steal an iPod accessory. I'm not sure what it was, but he wanted to take something without paying for it. He snuck it in his jacket or whatever, started to leave the store quickly, and the security had saw him do this and they were following him. I'm not sure they were running, but they were following him and he knew he was being chased. So he got to the car and unbeknownst to her, the girlfriend came out of the Petco with their pet duck under her arm and came out to the car. She did not know her boyfriend was on the lamb, and she tried to open the passenger door but was knocked down and Peepers the duck got loose in the parking lot. So here's this guy trying to run from the law and his girlfriend's on the ground and Peepers the duck is all over. Well, there's a Petco employee who saw this and all she saw was the duck loose. So she goes running out to the parking lot to help the duck. And the guy is trying to get away and he actually runs into this woman and injures her, hurts her leg. She's fine, but she went to the hospital later. And this guy, I don't know if it's because he hit this Petco lady trying to save the duck, but he ended up hitting another car and was caught by the police and held on two counts of vehicular assaults. I'm not sure if he was charged with shoplifting. But Peepers the duck played an important role, the police said, in apprehending this criminal. And so I guess the the lesson here is if you're going to rob a store, don't include a duck in the plan. I don't know. Somehow this is... Not a good plan, but they, but they had this plan, and it just didn't work out, or this guy did anyway. I don't know if the girlfriend knew anything about it. But sometimes things don't go as planned, especially if there's a duck involved. But when God has a plan, duck or no duck, it goes according to His plan. That's what God's plan, how it goes And we've been talking about our urgent mission over the last few weeks, and our mission's based in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to make disciples of all nations, and and to uh, do that by going to people, by baptizing them once they come to know Christ, and teaching them, discipling them once they've come to know Him and that I've talked about how we're uniquely shaped for this mission, that we pray over this mission, that God uses us for the mission. But today, I want to talk about the plan for the mission, or how does God carry out this urgent mission? How does, how does God carry this out? And so first, to think in this manner, I wanted to start with the second verse here in Isaiah that we read, just, just as a remembrance of what we talked about last week. And last week I said that most of the world lives in darkness. Most of the world lives in spiritual darkness. Look what he says in Isaiah 6, 2. He says this, For behold, darkness will cover the earth, a deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and His glory will appear upon you. This might be one of the saddest verses in Scripture. There may be more, but, it, but there, is a, there is a sadness here. The picture of deep darkness covering the nations, covering the people, that they are spiritually living in the dark, they are spiritually blind, that those who have not received Christ, they are living in, in total spiritual darkness And the irony is, is those who reject Christ, they might see themselves as more enlightened than those who have accepted Christ, but they're living in blindness. I've repeated this a lot of times with the last few weeks, that those without Christ are spiritually blind, and that's how Spirit depicts them. In Proverbs 4, 19, it says this, the way of the wicked is like darkness, They do not know over what they stumble. They're walking around and Christ is right there. God is working in their life and they may stumble right over him. And they're not sure why they're down on the ground again because they're spiritually blinded. But God is working in their life. And maybe you know someone like this. They are without Christ and they're stumbling around and they keep falling to the ground. And you see that God is working in those, those stumbles to bring them to them. But they are spiritually blind and just cannot see how God is working in their life. And that is how the, the scripture depicts them. They are blind. They are in the dark. Psalm 82 Says it a little different. Psalm eighty-two, five: They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. God is working in their life. He is calling to him, but they just do not know and understand what is happening, and so they live in darkness. And that's because Satan is keeping them in the dark. Make no mistake, this is a spiritual war and Satan is trying to keep as many people in the dark as possible. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan has entrapped people in this world. And he has kept them in spiritual darkness, and they cannot see. But the power of the gospel is light, and light overpowers darkness, and it can free them. They are not entrapped by an all-powerful force. The all-powerful is Christ. It is our God we serve who can shine into the darkness and free them. And so it is the gospel That does that. And so we have to have compassion for those who live in the darkness. We need to love them and understand that they are being blinded by Satan. They're just not mean people. They're just not people who think different from us. Satan has entrapped them and blinded them so that they do not know anything else but that. All they know is darkness. But we come in with the light of the gospel and it shines into their light. We have to pray and share and persistently be a witness and an ambassador. Last week I talked about the vastness of this darkness over the world. We talked about how 42% of the world's population, something like 3 billion people, live in people groups that are unengaged, that, that there is no gospel witness to speak of in these people groups. And that mission organizations are targeting them, trying to get to them. But these are the hardest people in the world to reach. These are the ones that you go into and you may literally die doing so. There is all these people in the world that don't have that. Less than 2% um, of, of the 7,000 people groups, they, they don't know Christ. They are unreached and unengaged. They don't have any, most of those groups don't have any Christian, no church, no missionary working with them. And I said that nearly 29% of the world's population, 2 billion people, have never heard the gospel. It is a vast darkness that we talked about. Most of the world lives in darkness. That's how scripture depicts the lost. And when Paul was giving his testimony to King Agrippa, he stood before him and he, he said, Christ gave me a specific ministry. And it's the same ministry he's given us. Look in Acts twenty six eighteen. This is what Paul said that Christ had said to him. On the road to Damascus, when Paul was struck blind, and he says, this is what I want you to do with your life, he said, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Paul says that they live in darkness, but Christ's command to us, our mission that He gave us is to turn them from darkness to light, to take them from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Not by our works, God working through us, but still we are the instruments God's God God uses. There are two cave explorers, Jose or Josie, I mean Josie Lores and Anton Seni. They took on this particular mission it was in 1965 and I read the report about this they were cave explorers but they chose to live in the dark in two separate caves so researchers could observe them and see what happens to a person living alone in the dark with no contact with the outside and they did that for several months They didn't have company with each other. They resided in separate cages. I mean, not cages, but caves. We could call them cages, I guess. But they had, and they had some communication with the researchers, but not much. And they found that they started they they viewed time differently, and they they saw things that they weren't there, and they just started slowly losing their mind. When they emerged, they had to use dark goggles to shelter their eyes from the sunlight, and their sense of time was really warped. Josie spent 88 days in the cave, and Anton spent 126 days in his cave. And they came out, and they thought it was just a couple of weeks. Um, they they just, they would go to sleep, and they would sleep for 30 hours at a time, thinking they just took a really short nap. They just, everything, everything was distorted. They, they would see They they couldn't see, and so they started seeing things that weren't really there. And it it just they had hallucinations. They became very paranoid. They thought the room was moving and maybe even taking off, and they thought they were being tricked. And it was just they're just living in the dark drove them nearly crazy. And that's close to the spiritual picture that the scripture gives of those who have not trusted in Christ. They're living in deep spiritual lostness and they just don't see things the way reality is they don't they don't see that there's a God they don't see that there's a God who loves them and and forgiveness is available not through their works but just by faith in Christ because of God's grace And when people live in darkness, they begin to think differently and live differently. And they're oblivious to the reality of Jesus and the abundant life he gives. Everything's warped in their thinking. I'm not saying they're not good people because some kind people are are those who don't know. we, We know kind people who don't know Christ. I'm not making that kind of judgment, but they just are. Humans were not meant to live apart from God. And so it warps their thinking when we do. They are not simply thinking differently than us. They're not on a different political party than us. The problem is most of the world lives in the dark. They live without Christ. That is is the problem. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. Jesus came as the light to the world. That's why he came. To shine light into that darkness. Look what it says in in Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And when we see about the New Testament, when we look, read the Old Testament. In light of the New Testament, or or the New Testament in light of the Old Testament, whichever way, the point is, you see the picture of Christ here. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but... The Lord will rise upon you, and His glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's the good news to all human. It's the whole point of Scripture. Jesus came into this world fully God, fully man, so that He could walk among us and show the light of God to us, that He loves us, that He forgives us, and if we trust in Him, we can have the forgiveness and love that God provides. Isaiah speaks about this earlier in his book, the, the hope of those who live in deep darkness, that there is a light that can shine into their life and they can see. It says in Isaiah 9-2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, light will shine on them. I mean, light and darkness was powerful images to the to the Jewish people. They lived in a world without artificial light. We do. You, we live out east, Rhonda and I do, and still, yeah, I know we still live out there. And when we look down, we can see all the lights of the city, and it's so pretty out there. But that's not the way it was always the case. I mean, the, the, with artificial lights, you can see for much further. But when people live in a, in a culture where there was just uh, the, the light that fire produces, then light becomes very important. Each year, the Jewish people celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And at the end of that, they would light all the candles Uh, their menorahs and all the different lamps that they had and they would have a menorah in the temple and they'd have some lights in the court of women and all the people in the city would begin to light their lamps um, with their however they were like oil lamps you know the the clay jars that had the wicks and they would light them and pretty soon at night the whole city would be lit and Israel my understanding is up on a hill so that people, when they were surrounding the, the, the city or if they looked and they were far away, they could look and they could see the city on a hill that was lit. And people knew that's where the temple of God was because the temple would be lit so people could see. And it's in this context, the last few days of this feast of tabernacles, that Jesus proclaims in the midst of the people there in John eight twelve. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Just like the city being lit up in the middle of the dark, pointing their way to God, Jesus says, I am the light if you Walk in me, you will not walk in darkness. If you trust in me, you will not be in that spiritual darkness. He uses this picture again in John chapter 12. He says, I have come as the light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Jesus came as the light to the world to shine light in the spiritual darkness so people could be rescued from the slavery of sin, from the darkness that Satan is entrapping them in. And he says, I can free them. People live in darkness, but Jesus came as the light. And this image goes throughout all of Scripture that Jesus rescues us from darkness and brings us into light Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Just like Paul on the road to Damascus, when someone comes to know Christ, scales from his, their eyes fall, so to speak, and they can see And they begin to see reality the way it really is that there is a God, that Jesus did come and walk this earth. And as the creator and sustainer of life, he is also the savior and redeemer of people. And they can join in his family and be adopted in and be loved by him and forgiven by him. No matter where they've come from or who they are or what they've done, that it is available to them because he came as the light. And this is not because we do anything. It is not because we have some special words, although it's good to be trained and and have something to say in evangelism. That's not what saves people. It's not us who can shine light into their dark dark lives. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For the God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's simply saying, if God could speak and light would spring into existence from the beginning of time, it is no problem for God to speak into the heart of Of someone who lives in darkness and light begin to shine there. It is God's work. This is why Jesus came to bring people from the spiritual darkness into the light. That's what it's about. That's why we do what we do here. That's why we meet every Sunday to equip each other, to go out and bring people into the light, to share, to shine light of Christ into their life. God is working in their life. God is working in our life to bring us together with those who don't know Him so that light can be shown into their life. And the light specifically is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus died for us so that we could find a place in God's family to pay the penalty for our sins. So why don't more people trust Jesus you would think someone entrapped... You ever been in a dark, dark room and you're like, man, all I need is a light, right? Just a little bit. The other night I was going to bed and, and I knew there was stuff between me and the bed and it was dark. And I'm like, all right. so I pull out, I think of my phone and it's just a little bit of light, but all of a sudden just a little bit of light shone. I mean, we don't like being in total darkness because we don't know what's out there, we don't know, but why do people want to live in spiritual darkness why don't more people turn to Christ Jesus told Nicodemus who by the way came to him under the cover of darkness which is a little ironic but he came to Jesus at night and in John 3:19 this is what Jesus said this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil Humans live blind in the spiritual darkness of the world. And the thing is, as humans, we love that. All of us were there. That's our natural state. And we we just kind of live there until someone comes and shines a light into our life. And we realize there is more than just this little aspect of my life, that the light shines, that there is more. And I want to be part of that. When light shines into the darkness, that's when God begins to work in people's hearts. Last week, my parents were here. Some of you got to meet them. And um, we were, they, they were out at our place. And when it, it got dark, um, I took them out onto the deck. And on the deck, you could see um, this arch of of planets, there was Venus and Jupiter and the Moon and Saturn and Mars, and you could see all all of those. And uh, Pluto was there too, but it was too too you couldn't see. Yeah, it's really not a planet, so it's not yet. Yeah. So, um, doesn't doesn't count. Um, so we, uh, I really couldn't see that. But we got the we got the telescope out. I got a telescope and 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 looked through it, and we could see. I could see the rings of Saturn, little Saturn, little dot and little ring around it. It wasn't much, but you could tell it was Saturn, and it was just amazing to think that that many miles away this thing was shining in the night sky. and then we looked at the Moon and saw all the craters on the Moon, and it occurred to me that none of these planets that we saw four planets and the big moon, none of them have light of their own. none of them shine light. The only reason we could see any of them is because our sun is so powerful, it shines out across the universe, and it hits Jupiter, and that light reflects back to us. It has no light in and of its own. The moon is incredibly bright, and it lights up the night sky when it's full. It's going to be, what, another day or two, and it's going to be really full and you could walk outside and you could see everything in the middle of the night. Not because the moon has a powerful light, but because it reflects a very powerful light. And that's the same as us spiritually. We don't have light in and of ourselves. We don't have any kind of of. Spiritual insight. We don't have any kind of great work we can do. We don't have anything we can go to somebody and say, because I do all these good things, I can save you. There is nothing in and of me and in and of you that will save anybody. The only thing that people can see is the reflection of Christ in us. And if they see good, and if they see salvation and forgiveness and God's love, it is because Christ is shining so brightly on us, it reflects out to other people. He came as the light of the world, and He saves people. This is His mission, and He has given it to us. It is the only thing that matters to to God. He doesn't want anyone to, to perish without coming to know Christ. And so Scripture says He's patient. The end times is waiting so that as many people can know Christ as possible. He he has come as the light of the world. So how does God, how how does Jesus choose to shine His light into this world that has mostly darkness in it? The world mostly lives in darkness. Jesus came as the light of the world. How does the light get to the darkness? Well, we carry the light to the world. Have you turned to Matthew chapter chapter 5 which is a Not the Isaiah passage, but it is what Jesus, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he said. You are the light of the world. Jesus came as the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world because we reflect Christ. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It is not about our good works. It's what he's saying is when we do the good works, the love of Christ will be reflected in us, and they will come to know Christ, and then they can truly glorify God as God. When they've come to know him. We are the ones who carry the light into the darkness. How do those who live in deep spiritual darkness encounter the light? The answer is you. You and me. That's how they encounter the dark the light. God could have chosen any way to get light into the dark world. He could have chosen any method for people to come to know Christ but he chose his people, chose who have trusted in him to reflect God's love to those who need it. I wonder how many of us came to know Christ because somebody one-on-one personally shared the gospel with us. Anyone want to raise your hand? How many of you came to Christ because somebody told you the gospel? One-on-one. I mean, there might be other ways. You might have heard Billy Graham at, a, at, a, at an event. You might have saw something on television. There's other ways to come to know Christ. But most of the time, God uses one-on-one people. This relationship that people come to know Christ. Think about light and darkness. Light is not subtle. Little bit goes a long way. Like I said, all you need is a little bit, and it shines in the dark room, and you have just enough to maneuver because light overpowers the darkness. John, John said in, in uh, John 1.5, and I'm going to read the, the ESV version. John 1.5 says, Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overpower the light. Sin does not overtake Christ's forgiveness. It can't. Light overpowers the sin. There is more power in the gospel than there is in sin. There is no spiritual darkness that Jesus' light cannot penetrate. Someone says, I am just too sinful. I'm just I'm too far away from God. I've done too many rotten things. And Jesus says, My, the light of the gospel cannot be overpowered by darkness. That's what a true disciple does. A believer walks in a room and he starts shining light in every corner of the room, so to speak, and helps that person Living in the darkness. And he comes to them and says, Listen, I used to live in darkness. And I know how comfortable darkness is. But there is more to this life. And there is forgiveness. And there is purpose. And there is more. And he takes their hand and he brings them into the light. We talked about how we're simply a vessel. We're simply a lamp. And Jesus shines through us and penetrates the darkness. And listen, the darkness doesn't like it. Right? If you desire righteousness, if you display mercy and put Christ first in every aspect of your life, you walk into a room and you begin to scatter darkness. And darkness will try to fight back, but it cannot overpower the light. And so it's difficult sometimes. And it takes persistence. And it's prayer. And it is faithfulness. And it is love and compassion for the person you're ministering to. There are those we know who are living in darkness. And they're stumbling around life. Trying to find their way. And Jesus says the true disciples are a a city on a hill. Where everyone looks around and says, I think I see something there. And they're drawn to it. They're in the darkness and they see this light. And so when we are out in our community doing whatever, standing in line at the courthouse or, or, or getting gas or whatever, people can see the light of the gospel in you. You have no idea how God is working in their life. And when they look at you, you have no idea what they might see. And that's not a guilt trip. It's just to remember that at all times Christ wants us to reflect Him so that the world can see. They're stumbling around in the dark and in the wilderness, and they see a city on a hill, and we are that city. And like the little song, we don't hide it under a bushel. No, right? We put it up on a lamp so everyone can get as much benefit from it as we can. Y'all remember the story? June twenty third this year, twenty five year old soccer coach and twelve of his players went into a cave in Thailand, or, or yeah, in Thailand, to celebrate the birthday of one of those boys. And they went down into this cave. It's like a mile or so into this cave, and the rain started coming. It flooded the caves, and they were stuck in there in darkness. And the entire world came together to rescue these kids. And they used resources, and they had expert divers, and they had military there, and they had people giving money, and there was all sorts of things being done to save 13 young men from the dark cave. One guy gave his life. One of these divers died in the process of trying to save these 13 boys. But they did whatever they could. And finally, nine days later, an English diver or Australian, whatever he was, he came up out of the water and he shined light into that dark tunnel and saw the faces of these, these boys. He says, how many are there here? They said, 13. He said, brilliant. Remember that? (laughs) They're all here. And slowly, they started taking these boys out of the darkness and into the light, little by little. They had to train them how to dive. They had to do a lot of different things, but on July 8th, we heard that the first boys were rescued, and by July 10th, all the boys were rescued. This is what Jesus has called us to. He has called us to go where there are people trapped in dark places, and they cannot get out on their own, because the only way to get out is through Christ. And they're blind to it. Satan has entrapped them and blinded them. And we are the divers, so to speak. And, and we should be doing everything possible to get to them. And we are. We, this church is doing lots in, in missions and in outreach, just trying to get to some of these places that are dark. And we are the divers that go in, maybe in dangerous places, Places that we don't really want to go. This wasn't recreation scuba diving. This was life-threatening scuba diving. And they'd set up little, little encampments inside the cave so they could go in and then have a rest, but it was in the dark places, right? And then they continued on. But, but they did whatever they could do to get to those people and bring them into the light. That is our mission. And it is God's plan for us to do it. There is no plan B. The church is God's plan to bring the gospel to the world who lives mostly in darkness. We are it. So how is God calling you to bring the light into somebody who lives in darkness? You know, we just had this block trailer in the back of the church where there was a bounce house and there was snow cones and there was, you could do cotton candy and popcorn and this, this block trailer that the, the state or the association has is a, is a great way and, and we use that. And you know what? You could do the same thing. You could say, I want to do a block party on my neighborhood. I know I've got neighbors with kids who don't know Christ and I just want to engage them. You, you could use that trailer and there would be people from the church willing to go and help set that up and be there to help so that your little pocket of darkness that you might be encountering could have a little bit of light. Now you're like, how does a bounce house bring the gospel of Jesus Christ? It gets you talking with people. They show that you love them and you wanted to do something for them. Maybe it's someone you just need to slowly invest in. Someone who's been hurt, and, and you just go to them, and you're just there for them. You're not invading their life. You're just kind of there for when they need it. And, and you engage them and just encourage them. Let them know you love them. And and when when they are... When they need you, you are there, and it might take time, but over the course of time, they begin to open it up to you so that you can develop a relationship to share the gospel with them. Maybe there's someone this week that you don't know, haven't planned to bump into, but you will bump into. But chances are you're going to bump into somebody this week, right? I mean, there are people outside this building, and when we go out, we run into them. Not literally, but we interact with them. And God's doing something in their life. And they just need the reflection of Christ in their life. So that they're drawn to Him. Maybe God has an appointment for you this week where you can be ready to share the love of Jesus with someone who needs it. I'm going to have you bow your heads and think, how would God have you respond? It is His plan to bring the light of the world through you. He is the light. We reflect Him. How is God moving in your heart right now to say, I'm ready to be a vessel for Him to use, the instrument to bring the light into dark places? God, I praise you that it was your idea to bring Jesus into this world where we desperately needed light. And your love and forgiveness that is found only in Christ shines so brightly that in the end, in Revelation, it says there'll be no need for the sun because Christ will be our light Lord, I thank you that Jesus' love and forgiveness in the cross cannot be overpowered by the darkness of the enemy. And I pray that we would remember how urgent our mission is and how us simply being ready to be used by you, we could see people rescued from darkness and be transferred into the kingdom of his glorious son. Speak to our hearts now. Use us how you desire, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.